Leviathan Haunt. Howdy and welcome aboard to my podcast. I'm the captain, Shaibaku of the Dead, and every single audio log, I'll be talking about anything and everything that comes to my mind and is of interest to me. That's including spoilers, so you have been warned. A really good way to support me is by listening to these audio logs on either Audius or Odyssey, since each audio log is uploaded at least 10 days in advance before being available everywhere. The link to those and all my social medias are in the .car link in the show notes. So strap in, because we're about to take off. Howdy y'all and welcome to Audio Log 15. Now I have to say that I'm a little proud of myself because the uh, the turnaround for the, the production of these uh, episodes is a little faster for this one because the previous uh, audio log or the previous episode, Audio Log 14, was actually recorded just a few days before this episode. And honestly, I have to say that out loud because uh, y'all wouldn't know that as listeners because I always try to make sure there's at least a week, uh, there's at least a week between each uh, each episode. So I'm going to go straight to what I'm going to talk about this time. I'm not going to read an article this time. I'm going to go through one of my talking points, which is I'm calling this the worst to best of Pixar. This is my personal opinion of what I believe is the worst. Starting with the worst, all going all the way to the best of of Pixar films. One thing I want to say about Pixar films, I used to love Pixar films. They were part of my childhood. They are something nostalgic and magical and great about the originals and compared to how the latest ones are. I would say that I'm only I'm only doing 26 of the 27 currently available or released uh, Pixar films because I did not watch Elemental. It was a little in- I was slightly interested when I saw a trailer for it, but then I, I was reading the reviews and it's complete trash. SJW Virtue Signaling, it's just garbage. So honestly, at that point, I kind of gave up on Disney. I'm not really interested in Disney stuff anymore, but I'm going to talk about the stuff that I have seen. So with nothing further ado, let's start with number 26, which is Lightyear. Lightyear is unique and it's the first one as the worst and it's unique because this movie I absolutely hate and despise. Like all the other movies I just don't like them as much. I don't think they're that great uh, or all the other movies in this in, in the beginning of this list. Uh, I don't think they're great. I think the quality is bad. I don't like them but this this movie I absolutely Let's talk about the fact that Buzz Lightyear, who is voiced by Chris Evans in this version, not Tim Allen, even though Tim Allen has gone on record saying that he was available during that that time of recording, yet Disney never reached out for him, even though he's iconic for that character, which is kind of obvious because I guess, and really, Disney kind of shot that themselves in the foot when they did this, where they just avoided Tim Allen because of his quote-unquote controversial Christian opinions or some of them that he made on Twitter, which I don't even, I don't even have a Twitter. I haven't even read everything about Tim Allen, but still. I guess there's a silver lining in this because since this is a, we could say that this is a different character unofficially, 
So we can separate this awful movie with the character from the Toy Story series and also his tie-in in the uh, Buzz Lightyear Star Command cartoon. Uh, the character, so Buzz Lightyear himself is pretty not that great. Um, he's just not that great. The writing is awful. The villain in the story, Emperor Zerg, and I don't care about spoilers. I'm gonna say it. Emperor Zerg is Buzz Lightyear from the future who came back to the past to fix the to fix the mistakes he made. That's really all he did. Which now that I think about, it, doesn't make sense why he would come back to the past at that point of the movie when he could just gone all the way back to when they first crash landed. I don't understand. I don't even think it explains that at all. All the characters are unlikable except for one character, which is a robotic uh, cat named named Socks, which, like I said, he's actually a really, he's probably like the best character in the entire movie. Unfortunately, his character can't save the movie at all. Um, the characters who are with Buzz Lightyear in his journey are forgettable, annoying, generic, poorly written, and are just a bunch of SJW, DEI, uh, check the box characters because we just, because we want to virtual sing. Like, they're really pointless and annoying. Uh, going back to the Zerg thing, I remember my, I remember I read this thing where there was an interview with the writing team, or at least one of the writers, who said that, yeah, they consider making Zerg uh, Buzz's uh, father, but they said that, oh, but if we did it like that, people will will know it from the beginning, and they're just going to sit there waiting waiting for us to reveal, oh, when is when you're going to reveal it's the father. I have two things about that. The one... That just shows how talentless these this writing team was. And two, why did they have to go with that sort of storyline that Zerg is Buzz's father? Here's the thing, there's no proof that Zerg is Buzz's father. In the the source material, Zerg Zerg has no has nothing, no relations to Buzz Lightyear in the cartoon. The only reason why they said that is because of the scene from Toy Story 2. Which honestly, that scene was only put in there to be a spoof of Star Wars. Okay, there's other than that, there is <laughs> there is no connection between Buzz and Zerg. Also, why did they feel like it was only one or the other? They could have easily made Zerg just an alien with no prior connections. They could have done that too. Like I don't even care about the lesbian kiss scene. I don't care about that scene at all because this movie was just awful with or without it. Number 25 is The Good Dinosaur. Like I said, Buzz Lightyear, I completely hate the rest of these. I just don't like. Uh, for Good Dinosaur, I don't, I unfortunately don't like it. I hoped it was better, but honestly, the story was just boring. It didn't make sense at all. Um, and it's a shame because I like dinosaurs and I noticed that there was this huge dinosaur craze during the 90s and early 2000s. Uh, but anyways, the story doesn't make any sense because just to, just to put it quickly, the main character Arlo, who is a small dino, he's the son of a sauropod, long-necked long dinosaur. Um, he, his father got killed in a flash flood when he was in a ravine. Even though they they didn't really show it, which is okay, I, I, it's fine. However, in the third act of the movie. Arlo goes through the same thing. He is caught in a flash flood, swept away by it, 
he is slammed against a boulder, knocked out, and he almost drowns, but he managed to basically save himself from drowning. How does that make any sense at all? That makes no sense at all. On top of that, all the side characters are pretty pointless. Arlo has a brother and a sister, if I recall. Um, I don't even remember about the sister at all. I don't remember any characteristic other than girl. Girl, that's it. Uh, the brother is kind of like this generic meathead, jock, jerkish kind of guy. Um, maybe it kind of makes sense because he's the older brother, you know, being kind of a jerk to the younger brother. But it doesn't pay out to anything later on in the story. These two characters, they have a speaking role at the beginning of the film, and that's it. We see them at the end, but that's it. They don't have a speaking role. We just see them at the end. So what was the point of having of, have, of Arlo having uh, siblings? Doesn't make any sense to me. Side character, other side characters that he meets throughout the journey are also for the most part forgettable, and they're only there for only one scene, and then that's it. And Arlo continues his journey. I mean, the T-Rex ranchers were probably the most memorable out of all these characters. I think mostly due to the fact that I think the main T-Rex is voiced by Sam Elliott, if I'm not wrong. Um, but that's it. Also, the fact that the pterodactyls were like an antagonist to this story, which I thought was completely unnecessary because this was nothing more than just a journey back home. I don't see why an antagonist was necessary for this. And I guess if there was a silver lining, there was a scene where Arlo and Spot were foraging for food. They ate some fruit from the ground and it turns out it was spoiled and a bit fermented. So they just started tripping balls. They just had this, they had this crazy hallucinogenic episode and it was so, it only lasted for a couple seconds. But when those couple seconds were over, I just looked over to my sister and I'm like, what the hell just happened? I was just laughing because that was the most memorable scene, even though the rest of this movie wasn't that great. Moving on, number 24 is Finding Dory. Uh, Finding Dory, the best way to describe Finding Dory is that Finding Dory is basically the Chinese, the cheap Chinese knockoff of Finding Nemo, even though they're the same series. Um, that's what it felt like. It was just a cheap knockoff of Finding Nemo. Uh, at least the side characters were very memorable. The octopus Hank was pretty cool. But other than that, I just didn't like the movie. The, they all they did was just they got all the all the memorable points in the first film remade him in a in a slightly different way but put dory through this story that's all and marlin and nemo they're just side characters with their own little side story that barely ties into the main story like they could have easily been forgotten which i think that would have made it worse the movie worse but as on a writing standpoint, they should have been incorporated more. Also, this movie, I believe, was the first movie that had a lesbian couple, which is kind of, I find that extremely funny because there's no indication in the film at all that that couple were lesbians. It had to, like, Disney had to make that announcement and say, oh, yeah, yeah, these guys, these two characters in this one scene that only lasts for like a couple seconds and they have no bearing no uh contribution to the to the sto overall story yeah they're gay they're gay praise us praise us gay community which they did which i don't understand why they did that why they're not upset or mad about it because that scene there's no indication in the movie itself that they they were gay 
And if you're wondering which scene I'm talking about, there was a, it was in the scene where Hank and Dory were pushing a, or Hank basically, was pushing a, a stroller across a courtyard and he accidentally bumps into this woman. And when the woman turns around, he sees Hank, but Hank disguised himself as a baby. And the woman is all like, he, she was a little disgusted that this baby was ugly. And then another woman came up to her and say, oh, just ignore, just ignore the baby. I'm pretty sure her, its mother is somewhere nearby. And then they just leave. That's the gay couple, which I find it funny that there's no indication in the movie. But Disney went out of their way and tell us, oh, that's a gay couple. All right. The other thing I didn't like was Dory herself was the fact that they kind of ruined what made Dory special in the first movie. Like Dory was a, it was an eccentric character. Um, she had a bubbly personality. She was always positive. She was a great person, but you know, she had her own flaws with her short-term memory loss. But in this film, they're all like, oh yeah, the reason why she's like that is because she's retarded. Okay. I mean, it, it kind of feels like that. I feel I feel cheated out of a character because it kind of sounds like a, a write-up you're just kind of writing off this character's personality to a, a disorder okay moving on number 23 is turning red uh, turning red was the first movie where I despise the art style even though it wasn't the first movie that had that art style and what I'm talking about is this this new age style of animation or drawing or um, it kind of reminds me and i'm pretty sure maybe it was one of the first ones to have this style which is it kind of reminds me of steven universe the designs of these characters like i don't like it at all like when these characters in turning red like when they smile you can see like the back of their throats and their smile is kind of like in the shape of like a of a curved sausage but like, i don't like the animation at all and it, I hate the fact that a lot of these new movies are resorting to that style, which I, I think, or I've heard, or I've heard, it's kind of like the generic style that the animation schools are kind of teaching their, their students how to do. But it's just there's no variation in it, and it's just it just looks awful. Um, don't get me wrong, may, maybe it worked for the Amazing World of Gumball and and uh, uh, like I said earlier, Steven Universe. But when everything, every animation has that style, it's just. I just didn't like it. Attorney Red has a couple other problems. I personally think there's a couple other problems that the overall writing just didn't make sense. I mean, I could go on and on about the problems with this movie. Uh, I think the biggest one is the fact that there's no real heartfelt moral to this story. It just felt more like, hey, I'm a grown girl. I'm a grown woman. I could do whatever I want. Also, I don't think there's a really good message in this story either. It's pretty unrealistic, this story as well. I just I just didn't like it. And also the how the movie ties in how the movie kind of ties in the fact that the mother went through the same thing is kind of horrible because you, because how does that make sense? Because the mother is supposedly like a kaiju size red panda and nobody noticed that at all. Like how? It was just I just didn't like the movie. Uh, number twenty-two is Monsters University. Uh, 
this movie was a bit more enjoyable than the previous, but it still has its problems. I like the idea that this movie is basically an origin story of how Mike and Sully became friends, but originally they were rivals, which I think was a, that's actually a cool idea. But I've heard this before that if you've seen a, a fraternity college 80s flick, you basically seen Monsters University because all the cliches are in Monsters University, which honestly, I don't think that's a fair uh, assessment of the movie because the 80s was so long ago from the time of that movie that I have never seen a 80s college flick like, uh, what was it, Animal House or something like that? I, I haven't seen any of those kind of flicks before. So a lot of these things are kind of new to me. There is some good like humor and gags in the film, but overall, I just don't like the fact that the principal is completely antagonizing the, or is just rant, or how should I say this? That the principal is just a random antagonist, just hates the characters and goes through the cliche route of these, of this teacher just randomly want these students to fail. Like I never understood that as a little kid, this, this uh, archetype, this cliched archetype of the of the uh, teacher or principal or whatever or mentor wanting the uh, just a specific character to fail or they're trying their hardest to make sure they fail. It, it's not like they're making it hard for them so they can overcome those obstacles and become better people. No, it's just wanting them to fail. On top of that, this movie basically ruins Randall. Randall was a, I mean, when you see all Randall, he's pretty a nerdy guy and he was a, he's a, he's a likable guy. He's a, he's a nice guy. But then Randall's transformation to becoming a villain was so awful and just made it worse because the implications of it just made Randall's Randall such a horrible, writ, horribly written character for the future in Monsters, Inc. And for those who haven't seen the film, uh, Monster University, basically his transformation to being evil is super simple. He asked Mike that he's trying to find a way to be scarier. And then Mike said, oh, just take the glasses off. And he took the glasses off and then he starts squinting and he starts showing his teeth like he does in Monsters, Inc. And okay, now he's evil. Okay, maybe that's a simple, a oversimplification, but that's what it basically felt like. The reality is, is that it is partially that, but the reason it just doesn't make sense why he hates Mike and Sully now, because the thing is, is Mike and Sully were trying to get into a frat house and they weren't able to get in, but Randall managed to get into that frat house. And it just seems like Randall hates them because he was on the losing team, even though Mike and Sully had nothing to do with that. Like it doesn't make sense. It just ruins the character. Number 21 is Cars 2. Um, yeah, I, I assume that some of you are surprised that Cars 2 isn't number one, but like I said earlier, Buzz Lightyear or Lightyear, I absolutely hate and despise. At least with Cars 2, it can be enjoyable. Granted, I think the writing is pretty poor and annoying because overall, it just, the, first of all, the quality of the movie felt direct to DVD. Second of all, 
the movie seemed like it spells disaster because it basically went to hey remember the first cars movie where the main character who became a better person was still kind of unlikable and kind of a jerk well we're gonna make a second movie but it's not gonna be focused on him it's gonna be focused on his annoying side character who was who was just a little annoying in the first film we're gonna take we're gonna make him the focus of this film and make him like infinitely annoying and he's gonna go on this crazy off the rail story that is just ridiculous and i just think that's the reason why that movie kind of holds up in a sense and or why that film could still be enjoyable although i think that film has problems too number 20 is brave i mean brave for the most part is pretty forgettable i don't know that much about that film i can't recall much about that film except like the main character vividly has a very vivid appearance um the scottish culture present in that film was pretty nice even though even though when i saw it in the theaters with my mom she couldn't understand what they were saying because of their heavy scottish accents but still that movie was great it was a uh, it was a little different for a Disney princess film but still it was still a cool film I liked it but there wasn't a lot a lot didn't happen in that film and I can't remember a lot from that movie because a lot of these scenes are kind of forgettable I remember the beginning where there was the contest and then Merida was all like well I, well I want to be my own independent woman I don't need a man to take care of me which the way it was written in that film was okay and then she's all she runs away uh turns her mom into a bear and from that scene all the way to the scene where her mom uh fights and kills mordu i don't remember any of it all at all like i think it was the fact that there's not a lot of memorable backdrops it's just there's the scottish castle and then there's all this woodland that's all i can remember and then there's that like that area where they fought and kill mordu that's it it's not that memorable it's not the worst but it's not the best pixar film either number 19 is incredibles 2 okay so i like originally i wanted the incredibles 2 to take place sometime into the future but i understand why they did it so that it takes place immediately after the first film because it's like oh previously on the incredibles like if it was like a superhero tv show that seems cool but it doesn't make sense at all because at one second or in the previous movie they are praising the heroes or the supers for for saving the day well then the next minute they're arresting them and hating them because they're supers and they're doing something quote illegal all right that doesn't make sense to me um i will say that a lot of the backdrops are pretty memorable the the writing is pretty good but i think the the first film was a lot better um there's not much to complain about this film i just think the writing wasn't as good as the first film. that's it's that simple number 18 is cars 3 cars 3 was better than cars 2 because it kind of went back to its roots with the automotive racing thing although i think the story's a little weird because for because they make it so that doc hudson's mentor rusty is still alive but not doc hudson himself and i understand that in toy story 2 not toy story 2 uh, cars 2 um they write it off that that um 
Doc Hudson died between the first and second film. And the reason why they did that, for those who didn't know, is because the voice actor of Doc Hudson, who is actually a, a very famous retired NASCAR driver, unfortunately passed away. Which I don't understand why they couldn't just replace the character. I guess it's their way of like memorializing and commemorating that, that, uh, that voice actor. But at the same time, I... I think it just wasn't the right choice at, at all. They should just find another guy to voice Doc Hudson because why would they do that? Because the thing is, like, they didn't do that with Slinky Dog in the Toy Story series because the voice actor for Slinky Dog actually passed away um, before Toy Story 2 or 3. I don't remember which one, but they replaced his voice actor. So I don't understand why they did that. I think it would have been better if they just they just replaced his voice actor. But anyways, the uh, the one thing I didn't like about this movie is that Lightning McQueen is still a jerk. Like it's like he forgot what he learned in the first film, and he's still a jerk to a lot of people around him, even though they're trying to help him. Um, Overall, I found this I, I find this film to be really weird, especially the climax of the of the film with the race, the the um, what's it called, the Piston Cup race. I found that really weird. The little loophole they they just made up in on the they they made up in the writing room. It's just so weird, but I guess it works. But at the same time, I just don't like it. I like the idea that I will say this. I like the idea that basically. Lightning McQueen is taking the spot of Doc Hudson, becoming the new mentor and finding a new apprentice to basically be better than him. Even though the way that story, even though in, throughout the entire movie, that story is not written like that at all. It's like a last minute change, even though it didn't feel like a last minute change. Um, there is some nice scenes and antics and funny parts throughout the film, but overall, I think the film was pretty weird for all the stuff that I listed. Number 17 is Onward. I, when I was just reading this right now, I almost forgot about this movie. Um, but that's the one with the elves and it, there's it's a magical world, but except it's modernized because technology is just easier to get by instead of magic. I'm like, I, I like the story. I like how does the climax, I like the climax of the story. The fact that the main character doesn't get what he wants and instead sacrifices his desire in favor of what his his older brother went through and how his older it's it, he decided that his older brother should get closure instead of him um, i just find it a little weird that the main character has this obsession with his dad a little that he's obsessed with his dad even though he never met him or remembers him at all. I also find it a little weird that when the dad is finally fully summoned, he only is around for like only a couple minutes, which I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me because if the spell wasn't complete, shouldn't it be that at the end of the day, his legs would just disappear and now he's just a top half? I mean, that's what I think. Other than that, I didn't really care that much about the world at all. It was a nice journey. You do, you do, meet, you do meet these nice characters, somewhat memorable characters. Other than that, I just, it's kind of forgettable for me and doesn't really feel like a Pixar film, which is so, 
it's a it's unfortunate because you know it's literally a magical world how how did they miss the ball in my opinion how did they drop the ball on top of that um chris pratt his character he's which is the older brother he plays the older brother it just feels like chris pratt was doing like a jack black impression throughout the entire film which honestly i'm not complaining too much but ultimately the film for me felt very so I'm gonna take a break real quick, but when I'm but when I come back, I'll finish the rest of this list. So just hold tight. Hey, welcome back and let's continue. So we're starting off with number 16, which is Luca. And I've said this before, uh, when it came to turning red, I do not like the animation style or the, um, the design of the characters. Like I said, like this even universe like design, which is like found everywhere now. Like if I see that, I'm not gonna watch it. Like it's such a generic design. Like why would I watch anything with such a generic design? However, if I remember correctly, Luca was probably one of the first. I think it's one of the first Pixar films to employ this sort of design. So I, I gave some leeway with that. Um, overall, Luca's is on this spot because nothing really big happens. There's not really anything at stake. Uh, no real big obstacles. It's just more of a coming of age story. And ultimately, this movie feels more, feels like it's more catered to like little, little kids. And I feel like adults wouldn't really enjoy this film too much. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of parts in this movie that I enjoy. Uh, like the father. The father was very great. Uh, I loved him so much. It's one of those, uh, that, the archetype of the big, burly, manly man. But he, he's actually very emotional and caring. And... He's one of those characters where when he's sad, you're sad. It shows. It's crazy because he doesn't even have a... He doesn't even have a... He doesn't even have eyes. Just just big, bushy eyebrows. Which is so funny. But Nothing much to say about this because... Really nothing that, that much happens. You got this kid, or a sea, a sea monster kid... Who just wants to explore a new world but it's also dangerous but he still wants to explore it and there's basically there's danger lurking at every corner for all he knows but that would be an interesting way to write this story but it wasn't written like this at all it was a bit more laid back uh, which which is kind of forgettable but if i were to list as many pixar films as possible most likely, I'll forget about Luca. Let's put it that way. And also, another thing that I hate about this film, or a consequence of this film coming out, it has nothing to do with the film itself, but a consequence of this film coming out was the fact that when this film came out, a bunch of blue hair, they dems on, on the internet were all saying, oh, Luca and that other sea monster kid are gay for each other. Shut up, they're little kids. Get a life. 
Speaking of, there's actually, speaking of the other kid, I don't remember any of their names at all, except for Luca. Because obviously, for obvious reasons. Moving on to number 15, we have Soul. Uh, it's a pretty good film. I really like the, uh, there's a strong uh, musical theme to it without it being a musical. I'm glad it wasn't a musical. I don't think a musical will mix well with a Pixar film formula. I like the I like the world building, the world exploring on the astral plane and the and the before life, which is very interesting. Especially these uh, abstract uh, characters uh, that you find in the before life, who are the I think they're called the caregivers or the caretakers, something like that. It's very interesting. And also the fact that the main character is just trying to calm, go like trying to wake up from his coma or injury or whatever, but he realized or he decided, you know what, I'm going to help this other person, whoever they are, whoever they will be. I wanted to convince them, you know what, it's worth it to be alive. It's, it's a really interesting story. I like it. Uh, and I also like the fact that it takes place in New York City because a few years before that, uh, me and my two best friends, we actually vacation. I've probably mentioned this before. Uh, we vacation for a week to New York City and we had a great, amazing time. And we really want to go back. Uh, maybe when it's a little less crazy than what I'm hearing, but we really want to go back and go to all, go and do all the things that we missed out on doing the first time. So, can't wait to do that also i mean another thing i just want to mention this even though it doesn't really fit anywhere to what i'm talking about pizza rat made appearance in the movie cool that's pretty cool um i caught that reference when i saw the when i saw that scene and oh yeah this is actually the only or this is the first movie to not be released in Instead, it went direct to Disney Plus because of the pandemic. I was a little worried that this movie wouldn't be that good. Why? Because when it comes to Disney Plus, anything that's released uh, that is released uh, straight to Disney Plus, any show, any any movie. They most likely have really bad quality and the writing isn't up to par to what you expect or just not good at all. I was worried a bit that, about that, but the quality is pretty good. Uh, animation is really, really good. That's something that Pixar is a natural at, getting that animation down really well. Um, is there anything else I want to say about this? Yes, it's the fact that I'm glad that this wasn't uh, that when this movie was released, it wasn't put behind a paywall because I would absolutely avoid that movie at all costs. Because for those who don't know, and for those who do know, we all know when Disney Plus released any movie behind a paywall, behind a premium price, which first of all is ridiculous, but second of all, well, it just sounds ridiculous, but they can do whatever they want. But every time they every movie that was released and was put behind a paywall through a premium price absolutely horrible dog water movie it was 
garbage. Like every single movie that was behind a paywall was complete utter garbage. Moving on to number 14, we have Toy Story 4. Now I have to say this right now, I think Toy Story 4 was a mistake. It shouldn't have been announced. Uh, Toy Story 3, the way it ended was perfect. It was a good send off to to all those adults who started watching the Toy Story series when they were little kids and now they're off into their adulthood. Maybe they're off to college, maybe they're off to become parents, whatever. I thought Toy Story 3 was the best way to end that series. So that's why, that's the reason why I think it was a mistake to make Toy Story 4. Now, besides that, let's judge Toy Story 4 as it is. The story was okay. I like, I like the overall theme that 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 Woody is torn between two worlds, whether to be the, whether to be Bonnie's toy or who isn't being played at all, who's being left in the closet to just collect dust. But he wants, but he should still stay with Bonnie because he thinks it's the right thing to do. Or should he leave Bonnie and go, and go with Bo Peep to? live in the playground and he'd be enjoyed by many many kids for generations to come like should he go that way like i like this theme that he's torn between two worlds although i think it doesn't make any sense because the second scenario of him being enjoyed by multiple kids happened in toy story 3 and that ended up really bad for all of andy's toys that accidentally ended up in the daycare so why would he consider that well i think he was actually part he wasn't part of he wasn't he wasn't a victim of those kids from the daycare i think i i can't recall exactly but i think that's correct i so it's cool the the overall writing is pretty good the new characters are pretty cool except for p uh key i i actually i almost said p and p and keel he and Peel, uh, he and Peel's characters, which is, I think they're called Hops and Wax or something, or Ducky or something like that. I think they're absolutely pointless characters. Like, it was just a complete, they like forced that character to just fit and it awkwardly fits in there. It doesn't, well, it doesn't fit at all. I think it was a mistake to have those characters there. They're completely useless and pointless. You could take out the scenes with them or just take them out of the scenes and nothing will change in that film at all. The only thing that would change was the fact that I believe it halfway through the movie, uh, Buzz was initiating a plan to save Woody and they played a role in that, but anyone else could have played uh, what they were doing. They could have done what they were doing. So, and speaking of Buzz, this is the thing that I really hate about this movie. I absolutely hate about this movie, which, which is the fact that Buzz Lightyear is absolutely stupid in this film. Like, he is the most stupidest he will ever be if we don't count the Lightyear movie. I don't understand what happened to him to make him this dumb in the head. Like, he was kind of annoying. If it wasn't for the fact that he was barely in the film. It was cool to see Bo Peep, a return of some of these older toys. That's pretty cool after after toy story 3 where they just write up this excuse that oh yeah most of the toys that we know from the first second film oh yeah they were sold off in the garage sale that sucks but anyway it was cool to see bo peep that's for sure um 
Another thing I don't like about this film is the fact that we just quickly, we just go from the end of Toy Story 3 and time skip all the way to whenever Toy Story 4 takes place. And I'll explain why, because Andy left these toys to play, to be with Bonnie. They're going to be Bonnie's toys. Yet we never, other than the ending of Toy Story 3, there was really no time that we actually see Bonnie actually having a a good time or we're having a great time with these toys we don't really hear that much about all the great time that these toys had with bonnie it just makes it sound like bonnie got these toys and just put them in the closet maybe play with them once put them away in the closet and never touch them again that's what it seemed like to me so i don't see the point well well i understand well i was gonna say i don't see the point why woody will fight to why Woody was torn between two worlds, but except I get the idea that, you know what, it's the right thing to be whoever kid's toy you are. I, I get that. But it's the fact that we don't really know that much about Bonnie. So I couldn't really care if he chose one or the other. I'm not, as an audience member, I'm not invested because I don't know anything about Bonnie that much. Uh, which is, which is unfortunate because Bonnie wasn't even in school yet. So that would have been the perfect opportunity for them to just go on a misadventure with nothing big is at stake like the first uh, three films. You could have started fresh, but no. And if there's actually, if there's actually like a video clip or uh, short films or episodic, an episodic show that go that covers this, honestly, I'm not interested. I don't want to watch extra stuff just to understand what's in these films. I don't want to go. I don't, it feels like homework. It feels like homework to me to go and do all this extra stuff, which I do not want to do at all. So, yeah, that, like I said, I think Toy Story 4 was a mistake, but we're, uh, we have it. Number 13 is Wally. -E. So when I was a little kid, I, I had a fascination with space and especially robotics. So. This sounded like something up my alley, and and yeah, I liked it. I very much like it, although I, I'm having a trouble recalling it because it's been so long since I watched Wally. -E. But I remember there's like there was the consumerism message behind it. There was the robotics message behind it, or the environmental message behind it. Um, the problem is with the, a lot of these environmental message. Uh, movies is that they just want to point the finger at you and say shame on you shame on you for this you did this and that was the problem with a lot of these environmental movies in the early 90s that they did they they basically did this while wally i like the fact that wally kind of fleshed out the world and made it clear that no it's not like every single person was at fault for doing this the people we see today is just a consequence of what the most powerful did it's pretty cool. I also like the twist at the end, the fact, that, and also uh, when Wally quote unquote died. Yeah, I was a little teary eyed when I was a kid when I saw that for the first time. Uh, although I do remember when I when the movie was over, it didn't feel as magical or as great as any of the previous films. I don't I don't know what, any other way to, to describe it, but I still liked it. Moving on to number 12 is Toy Story 2. So, fun fact, this film was originally supposed to be a direct-to-DVD film. 
And when I watched it the first few times when I was a kid, I got that feeling that this the quality was a bit direct to DVD film, but it was still good enough quality that it could be released in the theaters. So I don't remember, I don't think I watched it in the theaters. I'm pretty sure I watched it uh, at home. Uh, but it was another adventure for Woody in the game. It was actually really cool to see them in a new place. There's a new, uh, a bigger obstacle now in the way. There's a, it's no longer a personal struggle or, or selfishness that just create these obstacles and rifts between friends. Now they're actually, there's actual uh, people who are now obst huge obstacles that the toys need to go get over or go overcome, which I like. Big Al is a very a very memorable character. Uh, the old man Jerry from Jerry's Game, uh, the Pixar film, the Pixar short film from early on. Like that, those are the only short films I actually watch when they're not related to anything at all. The only connection is the fact that it's the character from that short film is the guy taking care of, of uh, Woody in Toy Story 2, which, which was pretty cool. The thing I like about this film, uh, besides introducing more characters and new characters, is the fact that um, what Woody went through, or part, some of the things that Woody went through in the first film, Buzz Lightyear went through, which was pretty interesting to see how he reacts to the, the other Buzz Lightyear, he's like, oh my goodness, he thinks he's, he's actually the actual Buzz Lightyear. Which was pretty cool to see. Uh, and it was it was awesome to see this, uh, how our Buzz Lightyear, he now transitioned to understanding, oh, well, he's just a toy uh, representation of the fictitious character. He could be his own person. Obviously, he's being... Obviously, a lot of his uh, personality is inspired by the character, but he doesn't need to be that character. He could be his own person, which is awesome. Uh, it's another memorable uh, movie. I actually remember that when I was a little kid, I actually had a CD-ROM game of Toy Story 2, and it was like, I think it was a compilation of like six or seven mini games, and I don't remember all of them, but I remember there was one where you play a Buzz Lightyear, and you're on the shelves, and you have to basically navigate uh, through these shelves, or basically there's these uh, shelves from at the uh, Big Al's toy barn. They're all emptied out, except there's all these uh, these evil toys uh, roaming around. They're the obstacles you gotta avoid. But you have to go to each shelf platform to basically loosen this can that's like wedged in the floor. I don't remember entirely how how exactly it worked, but I think most likely you have to like, you have to loosen all those cans to win the round and then it gets harder and harder. And I, I vividly remember that game. And I also remember that the game, the CD-ROM itself was partially scratched. So it couldn't work as well as it should have. So, oh, well. Number 11, it is a bug's life. Now, when I was rating or when I was uh, listing or when I was ordering all these uh, Pixar films based on what I liked the most, I was actually very surprised that A Bug's Life didn't even make it to the top 10. That was surprising for me because Bug's Life is, if it, if it wasn't for Toy Story 2, Bug's Life would have been my childhood. And it is part of my childhood too, 
but but Toy Story 2 has a has a special place for me. But but that doesn't mean that Bugs Life doesn't. I love a Bugs Life. I remember when I was a little kid and my parents took me to the Bugs Life World in California Adventure. I just love watching that movie. I remember I used to watch that so many times on VHS. I might have corrupted the VHS because that's how many times I watched it. And back in the day, before all this crap and garbage that that and uh, political pandering that uh, that uh, Disney does nowadays, I was always disappointed that there was no announcement for a Bug's Life two because there can easily been a Bug's Life two. There, the story was left open ended. It was the story was left like oh, and they lived happily ever after. Okay, why can't why can't there be new adventures? There could easily be new adventures. I would love to see that, but I was disappointed that they never uh, announced a sequel. But now I don't care anymore. Even if they were to announce it now, I most likely won't bother to watch it because I'm, like I said earlier, I'm overall I'm done with Disney. Whatever they, whatever they make for uh, a Bug's Life two. I just know it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good at all because the way they write, they write these new movies. Anyway, so the world is very awesome to see. Uh, it kind of reminds me of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids a lot. Well, it's a couple of similar themes. The, the fact that there's big bugs or the bugs are kind of like life size. So that was cool to see how the grass were they're towering over like trees and it was awesome to see that um how the world of the ants how it all works together how it worked and how the fact they're oppressed by the grasshoppers or hopper in particular it was amazing to just see this entire world and it was very simple if you look back the world the world itself is very simple design but it leaves the door open to so many possibilities. That's, and most likely, that's the reason why I love this movie so much. All right, so uh, there still is a lot more I need to talk about, which is actually, I'm now on the remaining 10, but I'm gonna take a break and we'll continue it when I come back. All right, welcome back to the break. And like I said earlier, I wasn't expecting this to be a three-parter. Uh, well, makes sense. It's <clears throat> excuse me. I'm talking about 26 movies and my opinions on them. And if you notice, uh, the closer and closer we get to my favorite, the less I have to say about it. Because honestly, there's not a lot to say other than I really like it. I thought it was really great. Unless something really stood out for me, like when I talked about Bugs Life or something like that, or my opinions of the fact that there is still no sequel to A Bug's Life. And plus, I think it's funnier. Uh, personally, for me, if I see a video of someone like hating on something or just listing off the reason they hate it, especially in a comedic way, I find that to be more entertaining and funny. But that's just me. So let's continue and let's and we're here at the top 10. So number 10 is Cars. And I'm going to tell you, I remember when I was at the theater, my mom took me to the theaters to watch a Pixar film. And I don't know which one it was, but I think it was The Incredibles. And I remember that the Cars teaser trailer played. 
during the trailers. And I mean, for those who who haven't seen it, go ahead, look it up on most likely it's on YouTube. It has to be on YouTube. It's uh, <clears throat> it's the Cars uh, teaser trailer, Cars one teaser trailer. Very simple, only like a couple seconds long. Is just a straight desert highway, like nothing in sight, and simply you just see Lightning McQueen uh, just uh, speeding down this highway alone. And I remember seeing that trailer, and no, there's no context at all, but it's just about cars. I'm like, cool cars. And this was from a this is from a back angle of Lightning McQueen, so you don't even know that that they're actually sentient cars. You just see this car driving down the highway and it just simply say coming in like three or four years or something like that cars i'm like oh my goodness i want to see that and honestly as much flack as the uh as the car series get and honestly part of it is uh rightly so with cars 2 cars 1 is such a classic it's i i personally uh consider it part of the classic uh, pixar films are they did nothing wrong with those films um, other than that, I like I love it. I love the road trip aesthetic to it, the American, the Americana theme to it. It's really, really great. Um, I'm not a big fan of NASCAR or anything like that. Uh, I've never been to a NASCAR race before, and when I watch it on TV, I'll just watch it for like a couple minutes. But for the most part, I'm not a big fan of NASCAR races in general. Yeah, sure, but. I'm not a huge NASCAR fan, but still, I was still pulled into this story that I'm not a fan of the real life uh, of sport of, but it still pulled me in. I like the uh, small town in the middle of nowhere uh, that's off the beaten path. Uh, honestly, the reason why I enjoy, I think the reason why I enjoyed this a bit more was because of Cars Town in, in uh, or is it called Cars Land in, in, in California Adventures? That's the reason why I love, by the way, I love that part of California Adventures. Uh, if it wasn't for the fact that the lines are super long and a lot of the good rides have a tendency to break down, it it, it would be like by far my the best, my favorite part of California Adventures, if it wasn't for that. I have nothing, not much else to say about cars. Uh, I know I mentioned it before that Lightning McQueen is a jerk, yeah, and when he learns his lesson and when he's a changed person at the end, he still is kind of a jerk. So I understand that part that why people don't really like Lightning McQueen or Cars overall, especially Cars 1. But I have nothing else to say about that. Moving on to number nine is Inside Out. I will admit, I do see the, the gay references in it, and it wasn't something I saw originally. And really, when my friends told me about it, or specifically the one about the bear, uh, I just kind of shrugged it aside like, oh, well, it's just a coincidence or something like that. But when I went back to it and saw the imagery uh, sprinkled throughout it, I see now I see it. Although at the same time, it wasn't in your face, gay, gay, gay sort of film. Like, and that's why I like I, and and that's not the reason why I liked the film. Like, oh, there was no like in your face gay stuff. No, the story was really good and it broke down uh, something that happens to all of us and something that's very normal and common, which is to have emotions and to go through these emotions and how to handle them and how to react to them. It's 
and it's also really cool to see it all personified in our heads and to see this uh and to see this adventure inside the head of a of a uh, of a uh, teenage girl uh, I, the voices are great uh, i didn't even know that most of the voices were actually uh, actors from the office well mostly due to the fact i don't i never watched the office i seen a couple of episodes but it never got in I never found it interesting. It never caught on with me, so I just stopped. I, it is funny, but I, I never uh, continued watching it. But I was aware that a lot of them, a lot of the actors, were from the the office or the emotions actually. And Joy was really cool. Was a really cool personality, and all of them are unique, despite the fact that most of them aren't on screen, don't have an equal amount of screen time, which is pretty interesting. I do think that one thing that ticked me off about the movie was how the whole adventure started was because, and I'm just going to say bluntly, Sadness was being a total dumbass and didn't know when, didn't know how to follow directions. But at the same time, I understand that Joy was trying to push everything aside and push her aside as if she meant nothing. And at the end of it all, we do get a better outcome. Uh, things don't return back to normal. Instead, things seemingly fall apart. But instead of coming back to normal, it's rebuilt to something better, which is a really nice way to end the film. Uh, Bing Bong dying, you know, I, I was I was genuinely sad about that as well. And this is another Pixar film that also my my father genuinely like. He's not a big fan of uh, of cartoons or animated films so it's kind of interesting that this really stuck with him as well moving on number eight coco uh, it's very interesting that we get this look into mexican culture with the uh with their holiday dia de los muertos which literally translated to day of the dead and people oftentimes uh misinterpret it as like mexican halloween even though like it does take place within the same week of halloween i think it takes i think it's the day after Two or three days after and from what i understand i think it's a multi-day event at least three days if i'm correct and what, what else should i say about this uh well the fact that the trailers kind of tricked us all and at first i thought the whoever made the trailers were complete dumbasses because they kind of gave away the whole the whole plot of the movie like one of those kids film where the trailer kind of shows you everything which was the same thing that it apparently looked like in the trailer for Coco, which was, oh, that Ernesto is, um, what was the main, main character's name? Miguel, I think it was Miguel. Miguel's grandfather. I'm like, okay, cool. But then you go watch, like, throughout halfway through the movie, you're all like, why, there, why is this movie making a big deal that Ernesto is the grandfather. They showed us that in the trailer, so why are they running this again? Like, oh, we're surprised? And my goodness, whoever made that trailer, whoever made that marketing campaign needs a raise because, wow, what a great uh, bait and switch where the big twist towards halfway or the third act of the movie where it turns out Ernesto wasn't the grandfather. My goodness, I... That I thoroughly enjoyed that. I like the fact. Uh, I like how the afterlife looked like, or the Mexican interpretation of the afterlife looked like, uh, especially with uh, how the afterlife, uh, the city itself, 
it's beautiful it's colorful it's lively ironically it's so cool to see and i remember watching not watching but reading reviews of these like upset like karens are all like oh well my my daughter started crying because she saw skeletons and that's scary this is inappropriate for children no your your child is just a sissy that's all it is that doesn't all of a sudden make this movie a terrible movie karen moving on number seven is toy story 3 and i have said this before when i said that toy story 4 was a mistake to make but it's here already and i'm gonna say this again toy story 3 that should have been the finale. That should have been the finale of the series. It was a great way. The way that movie ended was a great way, like a heartfelt, a heartfelt, heartwarming way to, and a tearjerker as well, to basically say goodbye. Goodbye to that series. Because if you think about it, those who were little, little kids who watched the first Toy Story most likely were heading off to college or having their own families as well uh, when Toy Story 3 came out. That should have ended there um i didn't care too much of what happened uh, afterwards with uh where, that the fact that woody and the gang are now bonnie's toys i didn't care about that at all um i think what if they wanted to make extra stuff afterwards maybe they should just have a disney plus original series or back then it, it would have been a netflix original series just continue the adventure in something that isn't so big budget because if it's big budget, I, I think it would have just shot itself in the foot. I think it would have been better to just be episodic, even though I most likely wouldn't see it. But, oh well. And with Toy Story 5 being announced, here's hoping that maybe we'll see Andy again. Maybe we'll see Andy's kids. Who knows? But at the same time, I'm saying maybe we as if I'm going to watch it, which <laughs> probably not which is unfortunate. The scene with the, uh, the scene at the dump. Ooh, my goodness. That was so like, that was heart pounding. Like, a, like even to the point where even some people are saying, maybe this is a little too much for kids, but it was still good. Really good. Number six is Ratatouille. Nothing really special sticks out except for the food. The food looks delicious on screen. Like, it looks, the way it was animated, looks so good. Like, it just looked like you could just smell it. You could, especially on the big screen. When it comes up on screen, it just seems like you just reach in and just grab the food. And like, my goodness, it looks delicious. Especially Ratatouille. I always wanted to try Ratatouille, but never, ever, ever do I want to make it myself. Because if you actually look at the steps to make Ratatouille, it's way too much. It's way too much. By the way, I noticed that a lot of people were confused. They thought Ratatouille had meat in it. Like, how did you not realize it was a vegetarian plate? Like, there was absolutely no meat in the prepping of Ratatouille, the dish. Like, people thought those were pepperonis. Like, my goodness. Um, not much else. I think Remy was, uh, I think, so with Remy's character, he is somewhat memorable. I think it's the fact that it's Remy and Linguini together as a unit. They're the reason why they're memorable. If you separate them two, it's like you're separating a character in half and just presenting one half as a whole character. Moving on, number five, Finding Nemo, a classic fun fact. The uh, the programmers or the uh, 
Uh, well, the guys who made the water, the ocean physics, and the overall look of the ocean, they actually had to tone it down a bit because it was way too realistic. So they had to tone it back and make it more blue and make the water look more obvious, even though that's not how it works in real how the fluid physics works in real life. But still, Finding Nemo is a classic. It was a, it's a great adventure. And you're just rooting for Marlin every step of the way. But at the same time, you know, you felt for Nemo. And there was never like this. It was such a good story. There was it was an adventure, it was a journey. Uh, it was a rescue and there was no need for like a physical bad guy to be there actually if there was one it, it would have been a terrible movie like the way the movie was structured it didn't need a bad guy the antagonist was just the obstacle and their own uh, each character's personal dilemmas that kind of prevent each other from connecting better which which I very much like number four is The Incredibles Got superheroes. It was this was before Marvel was owned by was bought by Disney. So you got these cool superheroes with the Incredibles. The uh, the scenes, the scene, the action scenes are amazing. That just everything put together is just one neatly tied package with a bow on top. It's really really great. Um, we get to see each character of the Parr family except for Jack Jack since. Jack Jack had had his own like adventure with a short animation, which I think it was called The Babysitter. I remember watching it a long time ago, and the only reason why I do like that like extra uh, short film was because it does tie in. I the very end of the of that short film does actually tie into the end of the film itself, which I found it really interesting and really cool. Uh, I love the fact that there's just like this struggle with the supers just trying to fit into society. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind was when uh, Dash was uh, doing cross country and he's clearly just he just outpaced everyone on the cross country part. And then you just see his parents in the top in the not the top, but the, the bleachers. They're all like, no, 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 don't go. Don't go. Number one, go second place, second place. And he's like, OK, second place. And he just kind of slows down. A little bit. That's kind of cool, even though it doesn't make sense because People are going to find out soon enough, especially since everyone found out at the end of the movie. Uh, so, oh, well, but, you know, it's still a great movie and there's that family dynamic and family tension, but it's a great movie. Number three is up. Now, I'm going to be honest. Originally, I hated this film uh, for just pathetic reasons. And the reason why I hated this film so much was because uh, I remember we were out of town. I think my mom was, the whole family was out of town because my mom had business in another city. Uh, it was going to be most likely a whole day, uh, like meeting or something like that. And I remember that, uh, or it wasn't my father. I don't remember exactly why we were out of town, but we had the opportunity, the, the opportunity to go watch a movie. And we're, I'm like, okay, there, the, the, the next Pixar, the new Pixar film is out. There's a there's a theater uh, over there. Just follow the navigation, and the navigation was wrong. It led us off the high off into the highway. We had to drive all the way down the highway for like five minutes to do a U-turn to make uh to get on to an to get off uh get on an off ramp, go go over a bridge and get back on the other direction of the highway and get to the theater. 
And my goodness, I was raging so hard because we were already kind of late uh, when when we accidentally got onto the highway and I was just raging so hard. And by the time we actually got into the movie theater, I think, I think it was halfway through like Ellie and, um, ah, shoot, I forgot the main character's name, but, uh, was it Harold or something like that? I don't remember exactly, but, um, I'm going to look it up real quick. Up movie. Um, Carl. Okay. I was, I was about to say Harold or something like that, but Carl. Carol, I think it was like halfway through like the life of Carl and Ellie or towards the end where things were already getting sad. And like just a, like a minute before she had, had a, um, health complications and then passed away. And I was just raging throughout the whole film, just making up reasons why I hated the film. But a few years later, I went back to watch it. I realized this is such a great movie. And the, the first 10 minutes, my goodness, so heartfelt. Uh, such, especially for those who went through similar situations. Uh, I know, I personally know a, uh, I, I know a, an elderly man in my life who wife passed away. Uh, a while back due to health complications fortunately they had she left behind a family and she lived a long and happy life and the husband is still around but i digress number two is monsters inc monster inc is another classic i actually remember a little off topic i remember in the fourth grade uh when during like the homeroom period which is really our free time we didn't really study anything during that time uh I remember our fourth grade, my fourth grade teacher, she had like three or four like Windows 95 computers in the back. And she had a copy of the Monsters Inc. CD-ROM game, which had like Monster Pool and Monster Bowling and all that stuff. So it's closely, every time I think of Monsters Inc., I think of that, that CD-ROM game. Monsters Inc. is pretty cool. I remember the, uh, the, ad campaign for it where it's just essentially hey they're not actual well i mean yeah they're monsters but they're not really monsters for the most part they're actually scared of you they're just doing their job that's all they're doing nothing personal i remember going to toys r us and they actually had a life-size uh, statues of mike and sully yeah in the front which i thought was cool back then the movie itself was really awesome and I did mention earlier that Monster University did kind of ruin some of the things there, like why Randall is such, why Randall is such a jerk and a bad guy in the film. I mean, I think Monster University ruined that part. Uh, other than that, I think if, overall it's a good film. I love the story. I love that there's that not a love triangle per se but the fact that a, a new person is in Sully's life and is causing tension between his old his uh his friendship with Mike it's pretty cool i it's pretty good writing i like it it's very heartfelt at the end there's really good action scenes and also i like how the movie ends and then monsters at work just picks up right after where it ends and i did watch a couple episodes at monsters at work 
I do have to say that it looks like they're just passing off each episode. They're passing off uh, to a different head writer. And I just don't like there's one character in the crew who is like too over the top and too pompous of himself that kind of brings down the quality of those episodes. But then there's other episodes that are pretty good. But overall, I just stopped watching Monsters at Work because one, I don't even have Disney Plus anymore. Uh, to begin with, my sister did not anymore. And two, it didn't feel like it was going anywhere. It was just more of a day-to-day situation, slice of life, which I think that's the point because the whole point is that there's an there's a graduate from Monster U. Uh, who managed to get a better score than Sullivan and he and he was and he had a uh, reference and he got a letter of recommendation to Monsters Inc but that was when everything changed now they're going to laugh energy so now he has to relearn everything which is wow it's a pretty uh, it's close to reality and with all that saying we are down to number one which is Toy Story my goodness Toy Story is my childhood. I do not remember if it was, but most likely Toy Story was the first, the first Pixar film I ever watched in my life. Uh, And I've seen that film so many times on VHS when I was a little kid. Yeah, I, I do believe that it was the first and like Bugs Life was like right after like the second, was the second uh, Pixar film. Toy Story is a classic. It's basically there's don't worry. I get it that there is some inconsistencies. Like why is if Buzz believe he's the real space ranger, why did he still act like a toy when Andy's around? Yada, yada, yada. But still, it is a great film. One of the first. Well, actually, it is the first fully, fully CG animated movie. Uh, It is amazing. The characters are wonderful. They're great. Uh, I always had, even from a childhood, from childhood, I always had a personal connection with both Woody and Buzz. I love both of their personalities. And even to this day, I'm actually making my own uh, uh, sci-fi fictitious universe. And there's are, there are a few characters that are based off of Woody and Buzz, but that's not here nor there and actually the creation of this universe is really in its early stage and you're not going to hear a lot about it uh, for a very long time but anyways i <laughs> that's off topic toy story is my childhood it is the the scenes are incredible i i absolutely love the fact that we see things from a toy's perspective how everything in that world is just ginormous is huge even the things that us humans are like are not that big they're just normal things normal parts of our lives but they're just grand to to a toy i love how locations change a lot we get a lot of different locations um the animation is pretty great uh there is one part in the beginning of toy story where it never made sense to me. I mean, go watch the, the like the very opening of Toy Story. There's a scene, is the opening scene where Andy's playing with Woody before Buzz was ever in the picture. And there's a scene where Andy puts Woody on the top of the stair uh, railing. He slides down and then he kind of launches off. And then, and then uh, I think Andy grabs him and then they just start spinning together, spinning around. And he's just, 
Andy is just playing around with Woody running around the living room. And then there's a point where he puts Woody on the on the cushion of a sofa and he he quickly pulls the uh, the reclining lever and somehow Woody is launched even though he was on the even though he was clearly set on the on the cushion not the kick not the leg rest he was set on the cushion not on the floor in front of the leg rest so that didn't make sense to me even as I was a kid so it just must have been like a film goof that most people would have overlooked Another thing I want to mention that I actually found out recently that a lot of people overlook is the fact that all of Andy's friends in the at his birthday party, which you barely see, you only see for like a split second in some scenes. If you pause the film uh, during these scenes, you'll realize that all of Andy's friends are just are just the same, are all Andy, but with different clothes and wearing hats, different hats or party hats. They're just all Andy, which is pretty funny. Well, it makes sense because it's the first film, animated film, which was done on a very old computer, but it still holds up to this day, both visually and uh, writing-wise. And that's all I have to say. Those are my worst to best Pixar films. Uh, what are your opinions and what and how would you order these films if you saw Elemental, including your own list? And just let me know. So thank you for listening to this very long episode. And until next time, I'll see y'all later. Yo, thanks again for listening. Please share amongst your friends and leave a review. Thank you in advance. And if applicable, I'll love to hear your response to the poll or Q&A that I left. If y'all have any comments, questions, or suggestions, then y'all can voice message me directly on this show's Spotify for Podcasters page or direct message me on mine. Until next time, I'm a villain, not a monster. Post Tenebrous Lux. Die today, live tomorrow.